All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. Okay, everyone, we have made it to Friday. It is Friday, August 19th. I'm Moshe Wanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We try to read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. There's a lot to get to today as we head into the weekend. A Florida judge says he is open to releasing the affidavit that led to the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago. We're going to tell you what he is saying and what it could mean. We got some new data yesterday showing the housing market continues to cool. We'll tell you how long that may last. Also, for those who have to go school supply shopping, we have some new numbers on how much inflation has impacted those things your kids need for school this year. We're going to have a rare opportunity this weekend in the lower 48 states to see the northern lights. I've gotten some advice on how we can all try to spot it. And to close the week, this is a story that got a lot of reaction from you guys on Instagram. Mariah Carey's legal fight to be declared the official queen of Christmas. We'll tell you all about that trademark case. Okay, let's get started here with our top headline. A federal magistrate judge down in Florida says he is inclined to release parts of that affidavit that supported the FBI search of Trump's home. Judge Bruce Reinhart, you might recognize his name because he was the one who approved the initial search warrant, then approved the release of parts of that search warrant. He is now giving the Department of Justice a week to prepare a redacted version of the affidavit. The judge said in a hearing Thursday that the public is entitled to parts of it being unsealed, Unclear how much at this point, and he will make a call after the DOJ gives him a redacted version by August 25th. A reminder here that the affidavit is the document that sometimes is more than 100 pages, which the DOJ prepared to give to the judge, which explained why they needed that search warrant. There's been a lot of interest here, including from former President Trump, from the media, from a lot of folks in the public who wondered what became so urgent and what exactly led the FBI to say we need to search all of Mar-a-Lago. During the hearing on Thursday, Jay Bratt, he is the head of counterintelligence for the Justice Department. He said he's worried that this will jeopardize their case. He's worried about threats to the FBI witnesses and said the investigation is still in very early stages and he does not believe the judge should release any parts of the affidavit. But the judge is basically saying, give it a try, DOJ. Take a look at the entire affidavit. See what you think you need to block out. Give me a copy of that version, and then I will make a determination as to whether this is useful to the public. What's very interesting here is that former President Trump, who's been complaining on social media that this whole thing is very unfair to him and has been calling on social media for the DOJ to release the full affidavit, despite all
despite all that, his team never filed papers officially calling for its release. In fact, his attorneys were in court yesterday, just there as witnesses. The parties that actually made the case for the full affidavit to be released was actually a lawyer for major media companies. Uh, more than a dozen, the New York Times, CNN, AP, ABC, CBS, they all got together and they said it is in the public interest to release this affidavit. So that is the First Amendment case that the lawyers for the media companies made in court. You had the Justice Department say, no, we can't release this. This is really bad. And effectively, the Trump people just sat there and witnessed the proceedings. So we're going to continue to monitor this. The key date here is August 25th. And by then, the judge will see what the DOJ actually says is okay to release. And a reminder here for any of you who've ever seen redacted government documents, sometimes literally you're looking at pages and pages of documents where every single word is blacked out except for like a the and an and. So let's see what DOJ comes up with here, but this is a very interesting development in this case. Meanwhile, one of the other cases we're watching against Trump right now, there's several on the state and federal level, is the criminal case against Trump's company. His most trusted financial person, the CFO of his company for decades, Alan Weisselberg, pled guilty to 15 federal crimes on Thursday in a deal with the Manhattan DA's office. While Weisselberg did not implicate former President Trump himself, he effectively pled guilty here to helping more than a dozen top officials in the former president's company avoid paying taxes for upwards of 15 years. Weisselberg actually started with the Trump company back in 1973, working for Donald Trump's father, Fred Trump. He pled guilty to not paying taxes on nearly $2 million in his own income. He has to pay that back. He also faces, with part of this deal, it looks like about five months in prison, though he could end up serving just over three months in prison. Weisselberg, you might recognize him from Apprentice episodes. Back in the day, in the early years, he would show up in the background, sometimes there to help judge things. He's going to have to testify about the Trump company for the prosecution in this criminal trial of the Trump organization. That's the key thing here. Weisselberg has not been sentenced yet because the prosecutors want to wait to see what he will actually say, whether he will fulfill this agreement in a trial. The uh, thing here is that Weisselberg is going to have to testify against his former employer of nearly 50 years as they face tax fraud charges. So the government wants to make sure Weisselberg cooperates. If he cooperates, he likely, as I said, will get just over three months in prison. All right, we got some new housing sales numbers on Thursday. Sales of previously owned homes fell nearly 6% in July compared to June. This is now six straight months of declines, the first time that's happened in nearly 10 years. It's what some in the industry are now calling a housing recession. All of this data, by the way, comes to us from the monthly report from the National Association of Realtors. July housing numbers were the weakest since November 2015. This doesn't count the pandemic drop in 2020. And they're seeing these trends happen across the country. When you actually compare last month's numbers to July 2021, sales actually fell just over 20% from last July. Sellers in a number of markets are cutting list prices. I've heard from some of you on Instagram, but prices are still up significantly from year ago levels. So while sales are down, prices are still up. The median existing home price rose 11% in July from July 2021, and the median home price is still just a tad over $400,000. The larger trend here is that the supply of homes still remains historically low, which has offset the lower demand and kept those prices high. Translation, it's still going to be difficult for first-time buyers to enter the market, given where we are in terms of prices, and of course, as interest rates continue to increase. Okay, a story we're watching out of the NFL. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson has officially been suspended for 11 games in the next season. The NFL actually wanted him banned for the whole season, but this is the agreement. This has to do with nearly two dozen massage therapists accusing Watson of sexual misconduct. As part of the agreement, Watson's going to have to pay $5 million, as well as undergo evaluation and treatment for his condition. 
24 civil lawsuits were filed against Watson. He has settled 23 of them confidentially, though two grand juries in Texas declined to charge Watson criminally. Watson put out a statement to the media on Thursday saying he is moving on with his career and his life. He will deal with this 11-game suspension and he's going to continue to stand by his innocence. He adds the following, quote, just because settlements and things like that happen doesn't mean that a person is guilty for anything. Okay, here's a story several of you have been sending me. This has to do with a book ban in a Texas school district. The Keller Independent School District, this is just outside Fort Worth, Texas, has instructed school staff to pull all copies of 41 books from classrooms and libraries. The books that were pulled include a graphic novel adaptation of Anne Frank's Diary, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, all versions of the Bible, and numerous books with LGBTQ plus themes and characters. All the books had received objections from at least some parents in the district. Now, some of these books have been challenged by district parents before, gone through a review, put back on the shelves, and now, because there's complaints going into another school year, they're going to undergo another review under new criteria set by the school board. We've been seeing these cases pop up across the country. School board meetings are getting very uncivil in some parts of the country. I was looking into the laws here, and currently, Texas parents do have the right to remove their child temporarily from a class or activity that conflicts with their religious beliefs. They also have a right to review all instructional materials. And by the way, this is notable, sex education is no longer required to be taught in public schools in Texas, and health education was removed as a requirement to graduate high school back in 2009. We're tracking a major monkeypox vaccine announcement. The White House on Thursday, along with the CDC, HHS, all the major agencies, announced that 1.8 million doses of the monkeypox vaccine will be made available for states to order as soon as next week. There are now more than 13,000 confirmed cases here in the U.S., more than 40,000 worldwide. While there have been zero deaths in the U.S., medical officials are concerned about how this is spreading. Most monkeypox cases in the current outbreak have been linked to sexual activity in the gay community, though according to the CDC, monkeypox can spread to anyone, and there have been a number of cases among women as well as children. It is spread through skin-to-skin contact. That could include sex, hugging, massaging, kissing, but also things like sharing of towels as well as sharing utensils. The CDC says they will be sending the vaccines to cities hosting LGBT events. Uh, In many cases, these cities will be able to put out one dose, but they caution folks that one dose does not mean you are protected, but they are trying to get one dose into as many people as possible, given all the delays they've had in producing monkeypox vaccine. Okay, we're watching the story out of Boston where threatening calls and emails have bombarded the Boston Children's Hospital. This is all over some misinformation regarding the healthcare services it provides transgender youth. The threats to the hospital have come in mainly from far-right activists, including some who follow the libs of TikTok Twitter account after they falsely posted what treatments the hospital provides to kids under the age of 18. One user posted that the hospital is offering surgeries and gender-affirming treatments, including hysterectomies for young girls. The hospital says this is bad information and completely inaccurate. It says it only offers genital surgeries for patients ages 18 and up, though far-right influencers and their followers have been falsely claiming that doctors are performing these surgeries on minors. The hospital continues that doctors do not perform these surgeries on children. Patients seeking those surgeries must be at least 18 years old. What the hospital does offer are puberty blockers for children and parents seeking treatment. They work by blocking testosterone and estrogen to delay their bodies from developing, but medical officials tell Axios that is reversible. The hospital is trying to reassure far-right activists that they are not doing gender-affirming surgery on anyone under the age of 18. In the meantime, the hospital has boosted its security and is working with local law enforcement to combat these incoming threats. 
We've been tracking inflation and price increases and their impact across the economy. And one place a lot of you are now seeing it is when you take your kids to back to school shopping. Whether it's glue, markers, pens, tape, backpacks, sneakers, even underwear, prices are up. This is new data coming to us from DataWeave. The price of notebooks and folders have gone up 32% over last year. Lunchbox prices have increased 14%. They're now $25 on average. Backpacks now cost $70. They're up 12% over last year. And this is pretty notable for those of you who have had to buy tape. The price of Scotch branded tape has gone up 70% over last year. The National Retail Federation estimates that the average American family will spend more than $800 getting their kids ready for the new school year. That includes supplies, clothes, all of it, that is a 10% jump over last year. Two other items you might get some sticker shock on. Sharpies are up 55% and Elmer's glue is up 30% over last year. I'm wishing all of you uh, good luck in the aisles of Walmart, Target, and Staples in the coming weeks. Okay, one more thing that caught my attention as I was going through the headlines uh, Thursday afternoon is a new study in regards to office chairs versus standing desks. There's new research out of England that shows that standing desks can improve worker performance. The study found that those who get up from their office chair as much as possible have increased energy levels, have improved well-being, and also have reduced their stress. The trial actually involved just under 800 office workers in the UK. This is out of the University of Leicester. They tracked all these workers over a year and checked in every three months or so. They found a small improvement in stress, well-being, and energy levels, though they do note that this is not clinically meaningful, but still notable. And for those in the group who remain in their chairs, they actually found that they were suffering more pain in their hips, knees, and ankles compared to the group that was getting up or using standing desks. Okay, this is exciting if you live in the lower 48 because you don't typically get a chance to see the northern lights if you're not near the North Pole. But we will have a chance at a rare site over the coming days, the Aurora Borealis, will potentially be visible in the Pacific Northwest, the Great Lakes, and the Northeast. You could actually see the Northern Lights in states like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Iowa, and Oregon. This is all because of a strong geomagnetic storm that's forecast to bring some spectacular displays to us in the coming days. What's effectively happening here is the sun is projecting plasma and pieces of its magnetic field across space, and some of those are hitting the Earth's magnetic field, which is what leads to this beautiful Aurora Borealis, AKA the Northern Lights. NOAA, which deals with space and other atmospheric issues for the federal government, categorizes geomagnetic storms on a one through five scale, one being minimal, five being extreme. This solar storm over the course of the coming days is at a three level. The storm actually started on Sunday and is expected to peak over the next 24 hours. NPR has some advice for those of you who want to go check out the Northern Lights in the coming days and see if you can see it here in the lower 48. Piece of advice number one, pick a spot where there is little light pollution. You want to be in an area that is as dark as possible. Number two, get to a higher elevation if it's possible. They also say to check out your weather forecast. If there's clouds or precipitation, that's gonna make it really challenging. And this is a new one, I didn't know this. You don't only need to look north. Apparently, despite being called the Northern Lights, they can actually appear from all directions. So make sure to have your head on a swivel. And now to the story that is getting the most attention on my Instagram account in the last 24 hours, the three-way battle over the use of the term Queen of Christmas. Given how big Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You song has become in recent years, it appears the singer has decided to take things to the next level and officially trademark the term Queen of Christmas as her own. This is actually a multi-part trademark request. She also wants to have the term QOC, Princess of Christmas and Christmas Princess trademarked to her name. According to the application that Mariah Carey's people filed with the US Trademark Office, the term would cover, Queen of Christmas, would cover a large range of items like lotions, fragrances, jewelry, mugs, clothes, food, 
ornaments, and of course music. But it turns out that there are several people who are not so happy that Mariah Carey's trying to declare herself officially and legally the Queen of Christmas. At least two fellow singers are fighting this, one in court. The first is a singer named Elizabeth Chan. She actually has released multiple Christmas tracks during her career, including an album that she released last year called Queen of Christmas. And then you have Darlene Love, who's now 81 years old. You might recognize her work. She's known for her work on a holiday album that Phil Spector put out, A Christmas Gift for You, back in the 60s. She's the singer on the classic Christmas, Please Baby Come Home. You definitely would recognize this if you play it. Christmas, Please Baby Come Home. And so Love is also expressing her opposition to Carrie's bid. Love took to her Facebook page and wrote, quote, David Letterman officially declared me the Queen of Christmas 29 years ago, a year before Mariah released All I Want for Christmas is You. And at 81 years old, I am not changing anything. So you have Elizabeth Chan, who has Queen of Christmas album. You have Darlene Love, who would go on Dave Letterman when he hosted The Late Show for years as the Queen of Christmas, both now taking a stand. Chan in court. Love, though, has not filed anything legally against Carrie yet. Now, critics are taking a number of issues here. They actually also point out that Mariah Carey did an interview last year, and I posted this on my Instagram account, and I'll link to it in the show notes. In that interview, the reporter asked her what made her the Queen of Christmas, you know, that she's become synonymous with Christmas because of the popularity of the song. And Carrie actually pointed out in that interview that she's not the true Queen of Christmas, that it's the Virgin Mary who's the Queen of Christmas. Nevertheless, four months after that interview, Carrie appears to have filed, or Carrie's lawyers have appeared to file, a trademark request for the term. Now, while Christmas season seems to start earlier and earlier this year, I think we're okay until at least Labor Day. You officially, as of today, have 128 days till Christmas, which means you probably won't be hearing All I Want for Christmas is You on repeat quite yet. All right, a couple of birthday wishes before we go. First to former President Bill Clinton, who turns 75 years old today. He is actually one year younger than George W. Bush and President Trump, who are 76, and several years younger than current President Joe Biden. John Stamos, who will always be Uncle Jesse to me from Full House, is 59 years old today, and Matthew Perry from Friends is 53. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast as we wrap up another week. I'd love your feedback on how we're doing, on what we're covering. Please email me at podcast at mo.news. Subscribe to the Mo News newsletter. We have a new edition out with our recommendations of what to watch, read, and eat this weekend. You can find that over at monews.bulletin.com. If you're not following me on Instagram, you are missing out. Please head over there and follow me at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. And don't forget to follow us or subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to us on and review us over in the App Store. Every review makes a difference and helps us continue to grow the show. Also a reminder, if you missed it, on Wednesday we had a double edition day, including an interview with the former CIA director, Michael Morell, about all things Al-Qaeda, terror, and what it's like inside the Situation Room. If you have extra time this weekend, take a look at that episode. That is the former CIA director episode that came out on Wednesday. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you back here on Monday.